0: You are listening to 919 WDRT Radio Free Space Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Bro Show. Hello, everybody. My name is William Kyle Glenn. I go by Kyle. Tony Max, that unfortunately is not able to be with us today. And uh, I just want to introduce my special guest, Layla Bernard. I've been wanting to have Layla on, I think, for a year. It just hasn't really lined up, but uh, we got a perfect. Uh, timing now to finally get her in because it's Halloween soon.
1: Oh yeah. So it's the time of the the thinning veil and the shadows are looming.
0: And exactly. And I'm a Scorpio, so I like to get into the dark. And so That's why I've
1: always liked you, Kyle. Oh, you're a weirdo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. So we're going to talk about this, this topic I've been wanting to talk about for so long. Um, I read this book that I I was made aware of from Layla or at least indirectly from Layla called existential kink and it was it was really a breath of fresh air for me because um you know I I've studied a lot of different things that have to do with like manifesting your reality and thinking positively and stuff but it there always seems to be a big portion of that missing um it has with this though it's like well, I'm gonna let you talk about it, but it, it basically brings out the the dark side to that and how to acknowledge the dark rather than try to like squeeze out positive thoughts and stuff and try to think positive. You actually there's a place to put all these dark emotions and stuff that I really, really like. But before we get into that, I I just let's introduce Layla. <laughs> Lay, Layla she she used to live in Viroqua. now she lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania she's an EK coach and I'll, I'll just send it to you to.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Layla Bernard. I, like Kyle said, I'm a certified EK coach. So I went through a nine month training program with Carolyn Elliott, the author of the book, Existential Kink, how to get what you want by getting off on what you don't. And, um, Yeah. I encountered that work about three years ago in 2017 and it was everything that I already knew and reading it written by the brilliant Carolyn Elliott sparked a fire in me and turned my whole inner psyche into an alchemical cauldron where the lead of trauma and suffering and self-doubt is just endlessly, endlessly being turned into the gold of truth, realization and peace and equanimity in the face of lots of crazy stuff. I mean, life is crazy. Life's a whirlwind. So it's always going to come at us. And, you know, this existential kink tool, it's really a self-inquiry type of tool, um, is really just, you know, it's exactly like you said, Kyle. It's really the missing piece from law of attraction stuff great well, so, yeah, anyway to say more about Layla like you know if for our local Viroqua audience many of you have had the pleasure or the horror of interacting with me <laughs> however you have chosen to experience it that's up to you not me um so some of you know me personally but um if there's any out of Viroqua listeners I'm Layla I am a vast mystery and the mate and companion of all beings as immortal and fathomless as myself in the world's words of Walt Whitman and uh I really exist to be here to help people through the like life and death existential crises that we all go through and that, um, or that, or that we avoid going through to our detriment. So it's really, it's really my great pleasure to have gotten onto my life's work of being like, yeah, we, we gotta go into the dark back alleys of the psyche. If we really want to be happy and whole, we cannot sweep it under the rug and expect to feel good.
0: Right on. We got to deal with our S H I T
1: deal with it. And, and, and it's, you know, I mean, I feel like the, the beautiful blessing of existential kink that like came into my life is that like, we are all so full of nonsense that causes us suffering. And, you know, in many spiritual traditions, just like the aesthetic way that spirituality is presented it tends to be very austere and like tidy and organized and like calm. So a lot of us, I think a lot, especially a lot of like female identifying and like socialized as women, people feel a bit excluded from the world of spirituality because we're messy. Like it's messy in here and we know that. So there's a way in which the like monastic, pure white light vibe is just like automatically not an invitation. Cause you're like, I mean, I've had this experience many times. Like you're probably listening people in Viroqua who have invited me to your spiritual gatherings and then been like, mm, I don't know. Layla's got like a lot of um, power and uh, feelings <laughs> and uh, a, like she brings a lot of energy. That's maybe a little chaotic. So Like, maybe you shouldn't come to our gathering anymore. And um, so there's just like an anti-invitation to the like, you know, messy, chaotic, creative, you know, endlessly expressing itself in all of the colors of the rainbow vibe to this like pure white light thing. And what Existential Kink really, to me, the gift of it is that it brings in this like darker more accepting of the full spectrum of experience vibe that really helps you understand the true teaching of Tantra, which is that like, we are here to learn to love everything and not like to love it until it changes into something better. Like, we're really here to give love to what is. In the words of the great Byron Katie, the object of life is to love what is. And sometimes what is, is like horrifying and overwhelming and very painful and sensational. And there's a lot of ways in which we are taught to believe that like, that's shameful, that's dirty, that's bad, that's wrong, that's chaos, that's destruction, that's awful. And we shouldn't love that. But that's not what the great sages teach. That's just not what they say. Like, everything is lovable. Even horrors are opportunities to love.
0: Well, that's what, if you think of unconditional love, wouldn't that be what that is? Like, loving without conditions, no matter what?
1: Indeed. Truly choosing to perceive Whatever is happening through a lens of loving, and like we get all like I mean I don't even know what words mean. Like I've been working with magic now pretty hard for three years, and one of my favorite gods is um Mercury. When one of the my favorite functions of the whole total psyche of you know the collective unconscious and ourselves is Mercury, who is the mind, who is the like you know he's also Odin in Norse myth. Mercury taught us language. Mercury taught us the letters. Mercury is the one who both conceals and reveals the mysteries. And our mind just, like, loves to tell us all kinds of stories. And, like, words are mysteries. Words are always not telling us the truth. So I think a lot of what we have, like, going on, confused in ourselves, is that, like, we don't don't even really know what love is. Because most of the love that we experience is conditional love which says like, I will only feel loved or give love if it looks like this and feels like that. And so, you know, when I talk about love, I often am like, I I think we're going to be badly misunderstood because this is a word that means like so much, so So, much.
0: So basically kind of what you're saying to sum up some of it is in traditional spiritual, a lot of spiritual work and a lot of, especially new agey philosophies, it's kind of like You're forcing this like white light goodness and you're kind of like, you have this broomstick and you're just like beating down the bad, like just go over there. I don't want to deal with this. Like we're positive. We're not going to deal with the bad.
1: Right. So like, so like, let's talk like, so in law of attraction, the idea, like you were talking at the beginning, the idea is that you like focus your mind on like the positive intention and the beautiful thing that you want and the like uplifting, self-empowering, like loving thing, the like good thing, like the beautiful partner, the beautiful house, the career, the money, the whatever. And you just are to focus on the, you know, goodness of that. But I find and I think this is a very common experience that whenever I push my psyche to like believing something that hard. And I tell myself that like, yes, I 100% deserve to be loved, like exactly the way I want to be loved. And like, I deserve to have this like gorgeous partner who's like uh, utterly affectionate towards me. As soon as I start saying stuff like that, I hear little gremlins in the back of my mind (laughs) that start saying like, well, how do you know? Are you sure? Are you like, really? Like, do you think you're that great? And like, I mean, I know that you're trying to do a magic about this. And like, I know you're saying that that's true, but like, if it doesn't come true, then like, isn't your magic bull, uh, I'm sorry, bull crap. Like, isn't it just like, really, you know, like I just, as soon as I push the psyche all the way over to the good side, magically and miraculously by the laws of duality, I create like an equal and opposite psychic force in my brain. And it reveals to me the contents of my unconscious, which is that my unconscious is like, yeah, I don't think that's true. I really don't think that's true. And the unconscious part of our beings is what has way, way, way more impact over what happens to us than what our little conscious minds think. And so, you know, we can do whatever we want with our conscious minds and be like, I deserve only beautiful, perfect things. But as long as there is unconscious stuff in you that is like, no, I, I don't deserve that. Uh, I'm just a piece of junk like everybody else. And who am I? Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't give money to charities. I don't, I'm not a perfect person. Like I sometimes yell and scream. Like maybe I don't really deserve that. As long as that unconscious content is still in your mind, that's, that will be your reality. That's just how even
0: if you're taking this this approach of like you're beating down the bad with a broomstick, like keep this away. I want to think positive. You're saying that 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 ends up that darkness ends up being what controls you in the end. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Well, absolutely, because, you know, as Carl Jung is quoted famously as saying, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate.
0: I wrote that down actually. I was going to say that so I'm happy that you said that.
1: Yeah, if, until you make the unconscious conscious, you will rule your life, it you will rule your life and you will call it fate. Boom. And so paradoxically, what happens with a lot of people who get really heavy on the like super positivity manifestation train is that instead of dissolving the unconscious beliefs that they're not worthy and that they don't really deserve the things that they should have and that there's all kinds of very good and logical reasons for them to not have the amazing things that they want. Instead of dissolving those beliefs, if you just focus on the positive and be like, no, no, get out, I banish you negative thoughts, where do you think you're banishing them to? Your psyche is a holographic reflection of the totality of all psychic space. There is no outside of you for for any of your junk to go. So when you're just putting it out of your mind like that, what you're really doing is repressing it deeper and deeper into your psyche, making it more difficult to work on and paradoxically more powerful over your experience. So there's a way in which this like utter focus on like only being conscious of the positive basically puts anything that's not this like very tiny box of positivity, deeper and deeper into unconscious, shadowy, monstrous darkness. Whereas opening up your awareness to the fact that like, oh, I think I might secretly believe that like, the reason I don't have a perfect boyfriend is because I suck. (laughs) Like, I think actually, if I'm honest, There is a part of me that thinks that I'm, I suck and I'm unlovable and no one should put up with me. And, you know, instead of being like, no evil thought, how could you, if we think the thought that we are unlovable, then of course that will make us more unlovable. But can't you see Kyle, how that like fearful reaction to that thought, like that's not, that's like a manifesting thing itself. Like that has energy, that has charge, that has attraction. I
0: see that.
1: Like that. that like magnetizes you to it. And so instead, this like kind of existential kink approach is to be like, oh, I notice that I'm really believing that I'm unlovable and I don't deserve that. First of all, like even just having a sense of humor about noticing what you're thinking without deeply attaching to like, oh my God, the fact that I think that I'm unlovable must block me from love. Like, Oh, like already you're in a tailspin. But if you can just be like, oh, I notice I'm having this thought. Okay. Cute, cute thought, cute thought. Let's go into that. What if I am unlovable? What would it mean about me if I was unlovable? What would I be, you know, like just really investigating and being with it. And the existential kink move is to be like, okay, thought that I'm unlovable. You're here for a reason. And tantra all of buddhist thought tantric buddhist thought and many other schools of religion and wise people have suggested to me from their lofty perspective and gnosis that actually this is a world of exploration and delight and love and curiosity and pleasure so well pleasure and pain but like that's what the kink thing is all about is like where's the line between pleasure and pain really anyway um this whole thing is about saying okay the fact that this thought this story that i'm unlovable and i don't deserve the fact that that's there is not evidence that it's true it's just evidence that it's a fun and entertaining and like weirdly derangedly like exciting thought to think like there's some part of me that really wants to believe that and so the existential move is to get on the side of the part of yourself that truly wants to believe the story that you're unlovable and to just give it a little bit of a chance to have what it wants And instead of fighting against it and being like, no, self, you're so lovable. You're so sweet. I mean, come on. Like, don't you see how awesome you are? Like, frankly, that's annoying to the part of yourself that's like, no, I'm unlovable. I'm a terrible monster. No one should ever come close to me. (laughs) Like, when you try and talk that part of yourself out of that, you are not allowing that part of yourself to get off.
0: And you're not accepting yourself, right?
1: You're literally not accepting yourself. Precisely. You're doing, the, you, are, you are saying to yourself hilariously that like, I'm so lovable that I can't think this, like, I can't think this thought that I'm unlovable. That thought that I'm unlovable is unlovable. And like, there you are not loving yourself, Right. right. It's like very, it's like a it's like a little swirl that takes you very quickly into suffering and accidentally hating yourself. And then making that story that you're unlovable bigger, but never giving the part of yourself that weirdly, dementedly, irrationally, just kind of likes that story. And we kind of like to see what that story is all about and what it's like to feel that.
0: Like, no matter how bad you act or how whatever, how messed up your thoughts are, I'm still here with you. I still love you. I still accept you for who you are. I'm not going to abandon you just because I don't, I think that the thought is wrong.
1: There's that. And then, I mean, even a step further in the existential kink thing, which was what I love because it has such a powerful balancing force. Like, yes, Kyle, you are totally right that the middle way of like, whatever happens, I accept, I approve, like I'm here, I'll never leave. That is the middle way. But so many of us have been like polarized to like fetishizing the good. Like, I don't even know what good and bad mean anymore, but I think you guys probably have some ideas about what's good and what's bad. And you definitely don't wanna do bad stuff. And you probably definitely do wanna do good stuff. And you don't want people to think bad things about you. And you probably only want people to think good things about you, whatever those things are. And we're also polarized to being like, like obsessed with the good and hating the bad that this existential kink move, I know is very necessary to actually swing the pendulum kind of far in the other direction, even momentarily. We're talking like a 15 minute meditation here, like. Momentarily going onto the side of, you know, for example, this like delusional thought that I've been sharing, which is I'm unlovable and I don't deserve love. Going in like the pushing the pendulum to the other side and being like, no, secretly, I'm not just gonna approve, like, I'm not just gonna accept that part of myself that has that thought. I'm gonna let the part of myself that wants. To be unlovable and feel the experience of unlovableness for 15 minutes, I am just going to allow myself to acknowledge that feeling unlovable and telling myself that I'm unlovable is something that I'm doing to please myself and entertain myself, and make myself feel all kinds of incredible sensations, like, oh my god, when I feel unlovable, like, I get so constricted, and sometimes I cry, and I feel so helpless, and it's just very dramatic, and, like, amazing to be a part of, and, like, you know, part of this existential kink is to, like, put yourself in the idea of, like, I am just I just want to know what it's like to be this. I just want to know. I'm curious. And when you give your, that part of yourself the chance to actually like eat the food that it's been like carrying around in its pocket, then it can actually get full. It can actually be satisfied. And our desire to think the thought, I'm so unlovable, slowly disintegrates because it is satisfied it actually gets the experience that it's longing for and then you know like with intimacy like we all know that um can I say can I like after you have had an orgasm is like the time that you are least interested in having more sex So it's very much like that, that like, if you can actually give your system, your psyche, the opportunity to like get the full impact of the thing that you have previously been shunning and putting in your unconscious and denying and trying to positivity your way out of and freaking lie to yourself. Like you're lying about the demons in your closet. You're hiding them. You're shunning them. You're shoving them under your bed. That makes them feel bad. Okay. That's like, that makes them feel bad. And when they finally get out and get a chance to do it, they're like, oh, Thank you so much. I've been waiting so long for that. That was amazing. I'm good now. What are we doing next?
0: um but like i I feel like people would be afraid if they let those demons out the demons would just take control of their life. You know what I mean? like if you start what could you say to that like if you
1: Well, I will say that one of the very best pieces of information that I've ever gotten from people who like to work with demons is that what what makes demons really scary, what really upsets demons and makes them attack you and act in very monstrous ways is when you approach them like they're bad. If you approach a demon full of fear and full of judgment and full of hatred and feeling like, I really wish I wasn't having to talk to this demon, the demons are like, oh, you think I'm scary? You're scared of me now? Well, let me show you some real scary stuff. (laughs) Let me give you what you came for. Oh, you came to me with fear. You must want more fear. And so that's how most people like, that's exactly where your question is coming from is that most people are truly terrified of their demons and their shadows and all of these quote unquote, bad, negative thoughts that they have. And so they approach them with fear. And so then those demons like rear up ever larger into more and more horrifying forms because they're just feeding off the fear that you're bringing to them. So this existential kink approach is about not reacting to your demons with fear and reacting to them as like beings that want, beings that want what they want. Like they want what they want. And, you know, they don't have to do anything to get what they want because these are all stories, We can just get off on them in our minds. We can feel the sensations that those stories awaken in us just by thinking about it in the privacy of our own minds. You know, like for example, Kyle, I'll give an example. Okay. When I was struggling with money, and like enjoying living in the virtuous poverty of like, I am not one of those evil rich people who takes money from others. I am a good person who doesn't deal in this devil currency. I just use food stamps and, you know, get government assistance and expect other people to take care of me and (laughs) to feel sorry for me and give me discounts on everything and give me things for free because I'm so virtuous, right? I just deserve it. Um, When I was really in this poverty mindset, And then I wanted to get out of it and like have more financial security and more financial abundance and like more fun. Um, I, you know, I noticed in myself that like what I really had in like changing the stasis of my like comfortable poverty that made me feel so good about myself and trying to jump into something larger was that I was like, well, what if I jump and there's no safety net and I end up homeless? And I, like, for a long time would be like, oh, my God, the fact that I am having these, like, fantasies of, like, living on the street and, like, dying in utter insane poverty, like, smelling like urine in a gutter somewhere. Like, like, there was a part of me that was like, oh, my God, is that what's coming? Like, I better not focus on that because I don't want to bring that in. Very, very, like law of attraction style thinking, like, just don't think about it. Just don't look over there. Like, don't look in the gutter at the homeless people. But of course, that's just, that's just rank aversion. And the Buddhists will tell you that, like, you're not going to get anywhere spiritually being full of aversion. Aversion is the same thing as attachment. They're identical sides of the same emotional spectrum. So. So it came to, I I started to realize like I'm being, I'm having aversion, which is the same as attraction. So I actually might through my deep, not wanting to look at this homelessness fantasy, I might accidentally call that in because clearly there's a part of me that's fascinated by it. There's a fascination. It keeps coming up because like anxiety is fascination right? It's just perseveration on something negative. It's fascination with something that makes you feel scared, right? Mm -hmm. So I realized that I had this fascination with the possibility of ending up as like an insane, broken, homeless person. And so I, I realized what I was doing. I caught myself. That's the beauty of mindfulness and awareness and like allowing yourself to look at what's there. I saw myself doing this and I said, I need to take a different approach. So instead what I started doing was when these negative, oh, scary, little oh, intrusive thoughts about my future as a mentally ill, urine smelling homeless bag lady would come into my mind. I would be like, you know, that would be a really interesting experience. There are a lot of souls in this world who live that life. And, um, it's being experienced by the collective and who am I who am I to decide that that is an experience that isn't good? What if it is I'm I'm curious I'm just curious so I'm just gonna sit here in curiosity of this experience and be like what about this is so interesting and I just I think what I'm really trying to get at here Kyle is that I just let that fantasy play out in my mind and instead of infusing it with like oh no I'm making it happen I shouldn't be thinking this thought which like that's just disharmony in your system I was like the thought is arising it must be because I'm utterly fascinated and obsessed with it which means that secretly I must like it So when the thought arises and the fantasy is playing across the screen of my mind, why don't I just enjoy it? Like, it'd be great. I wouldn't have a job. I could just act like a crazy person and just talk about Jesus all the time. I noticed that a lot of homeless people are really close to God. So maybe in becoming homeless and giving up all my possessions and losing everything, I would have amazing spiritual epiphanies. I would just be in the flow of like the abundance of what people want me to have. Maybe being homeless is an utterly different experience than I think it is. Maybe. I'm a sick freak and I would like to know what it's like to be like badly abused or have all my things stolen. Maybe I just am fascinated by this, like a movie, like a horror movie. And I'm just going to allow it to play across the screen of my consciousness without fear, without aversion, without worrying about it. And just let myself watch the movie, like the entertaining, interesting amazing, enlightening, consciousness expanding movie that it is. And I enjoy movies. I'll just eat some popcorn while I watch them. And they'll make me ask deep thoughts about the nature of reality. And they'll make me be more thoughtful in my interactions with other people. And there we go. And now, paradoxically, I feel like I have gotten what I need from the experience of homelessness, because I let myself really inhabit the thoughts about it that were naturally arising. I loved those thoughts. I saw them as explorations that were totally allowable. My mind can think whatever it wants to think and I can ask it questions and we can discover more together. And now I just don't feel the same charge around the fear that like, oh my God, what if everything falls apart and I'm left with nothing? I'm like, well, I guess I can just do anything I want because if I'm, if everything fails and I'm left with nothing and I'm homeless, like that's not that bad. Like I, I already went through it in my mind and I've, I made peace with it. I'll just be one of those people. And don't, don't those people and that experience deserve love so, and not so, shame.
0: So what happens then you've, you've gone through that, you've watched the movie because nobody likes to watch a movie where it's all good. Right. <laughs> you want, you want a movie with conflict and suspense and all sorts of stuff. So you've watched that cute. movie yeah. and you've accepted all that. What, what happens? What the, well,
1: I mean, honestly, Kyle, like I'm trying to say, it's like, when you like, like, how many times can you really watch a movie before you're like, yeah, I'm good. Like I've seen that movie. And I feel like that, that's the get off in existential kink. Like that's what we're talking about. I mean, sometimes it's like a very orgasmic, like getting off, like, whoa. Sometimes it's like really allowing yourself to feel the grief that you've been repressing and you have a big emotional dump. And sometimes it's just a feeling of like, huh. I notice that my urge to watch that movie just doesn't come up. I just, I've seen it. I, I got what I needed to get from it it's, it's not as fascinating to me anymore. So that like, you know, sometimes the thought occurs to me that like, maybe I'll end up homeless, but like in the past when it would occur to me that like, Oh my God, what if I take this huge risk and I move to Pittsburgh to go work with my amazing colleague? And like, what if it doesn't work out? And I'm like homeless. And I like, don't have anything. Like it would be anxious. I would be like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that courageous thing then because it could end in this. And I'm afraid of that. But now that thought still arises, Kyle. Like the mind just like thoughts just arise in the mind. Like you've meditated, you've noticed like thoughts just come and go. And now that thought sometimes occurs to me. And I like genuinely, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, like that's the worst thing that could happen. Like whatever, dude, like we gonna be fine. And, like, there's no more of that, like, sticky, like, oh, oh, God, oh, God, we better avoid that. We better not go over there. So don't do this other thing, because maybe that will lead to that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could end up homeless. I could. Yeah.
0: So you're free. You're free to kind of do the thing you really wanted without all the fear, basically.
1: No. Uh, Yes. Freedom. (laughs) Freedom. Freedom. Equanimity. I mean, it's equanimity. And I think equanimity is probably, like, the best one of the best synonyms for freedom which is like free like I hate to break it to everyone like you're not going to get out of this life like you're you're here like it's gonna happen like stuff's gonna come up life is gonna keep like crashing over you as the wave that it is onward and onward forever and ever you know it's just you're you're here you're you're here and um like, so you're not going to go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like freedom from prison where you're going to like get out of prison. And then there's like another place to live that's different from this place. Like,
0: that's the illusion, right?
1: <laughs> that's the, that is the very, um, yeah, that's the, that Once is we get the, there. It's
0: all going to be fine. We're chasing the carrot or whatever.
1: Well, the, the funny thing is Kyle, is that it is all fine. Like, it's really all fine. And it's all fine right now. now. It's just like, are you living in the prison of the idea that it's not fine? Or are you living free with the equanimity that literally no matter what happens, what you really are is indestructible, inviolable, infinite, and hugely loving. Like you are fine. What you really are can never be harmed. And so that's really what this existential kink practice is about, is on like the largest, most zoomed out level, Kyle. It's about making that unconscious truth of what we really are, which is consciousness itself that loves every experience, regardless of what our human systems of morality and aesthetics think, Consciousness is hungry for experience and it finds all experience delicious and delightful and fascinating and like wonderful. Our human egos have other ideas, but consciousness makes all of these experiences to happen because it prefers experiences, period, full stop. And when we do this existential kink more and more on the little annoyances of our lives and then the like larger disturbing patterns and then on the like really deep, you know, childhood spiritual wounds that we all carry, as we slowly pick apart this illusion that we don't like this, we don't like this, we are left making the true truth that we are mostly unconscious to conscious which is that what we really are is consciousness that loves experience period and we can love all of our experiences and none of our experiences can ever truly harm the consciousness that experiences them never
0: all right. Well, you are listening to 919 WDRT Radio Free Space Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Bro Show. I'm here talking to my guest, Layla Bernard, and we're talking about existential pink. Uh, I don't know if I can sum it all up, but it's basically looking at your shadow and learning to accept your shadow side and learning to love, love your shadow side.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I Like that's rolling in my mind from what we were just talking about, Kyle, is that like, this all sounds great. Like almost everyone probably wants to know themselves as like an utterly inviolable, totally safe, totally infinitely powerful, capable, ultimately creative, amazing thing. And so you might be asking yourself, like, why don't I feel like that all the time? Well, because there's like unconscious beliefs that make you not want to, to perceive that. And this always reminds me of Marianne Williamson's famous quote, which is that like, it is not our smallness and our weakness and our patheticness that we are afraid of. It is our immense power and magnificence that we are most truly terrified of. And so really, so there's like all kinds of reasons Like there's all kinds of stories that we all carry around basically to shield ourselves from the pure terror of how incredibly awesome and powerful and safe we truly are. I love that. Many of us just would prefer to be sad victims who need other people to rescue them and feel bad for them because there is a weird paradox that like when you don't really feel bad about yourself because our society is so obsessed with feeling bad about itself like it it does become more difficult to interact with people because people like don't really know how to respond to you and interact with you if you're not feeling bad i feel like, you. Right? I, I, I like got... misery well, I loves company misery loves company kyle
0: Totally. I want to, so I got a question for you because I want to clear something up. So like when you're, you're looking at the darkness, you're experiencing all that, that darkness and you're accepting it and you're learning to love it. You're not actually acting on it though, right? Like what if somebody has this weird kind of messed up desire? They have this imaginary thing that they're going to go murder somebody or something. Obviously you don't, I just want to clear this up. I think that's, yeah, I mean,
1: obviously, obviously I'm not telling people to go kill people and like (laughs) do the worst possible things, but I also want to assure anyone who's listening who maybe accidentally or on purpose may have killed someone. I still love you. You're still okay. And like, you don't need to hate yourself for that. Like, those are things that happen. Death happens. Nature murders everyone. So like, Like, I just want to say that, like, truly, truly, like, I'm not saying there's enough horror in the world. We don't need to add more horror to it. So don't, I'm not advocating doing horrors, but if you have perhaps done something horrible in your life, I don't want you to feel that you are excluded from knowing the peace and equanimity that we're talking about here. So I just want to say that. But yes, to answer your question, Kyle. Okay. Right. So like let's say that, um, let's say that your issue, right. Is that you just feel a tremendous amount of anger and rage towards someone. And you have this like fantasy of stabbing them. Like we've all, we've all thought about stabbing someone that we don't like, let's be honest. And honestly, that what I just said is like an amazing thing to apply to yourself. Is that like, I assure you That whatever evil, weird impulse and thought that you have, everyone else has had that thought. So like, you don't need to be afraid of your thoughts and you don't need to push them into the shadow. The reason these thoughts emerge is for us to look at them, love them and let them go. So the idea here is that like, if you've got this revenge or murder fantasy and it's not giving you a lot of pleasure and it's causing you pain. Because like sometimes I think about hurting people and I'm like, yeah, that would feel amazing, (laughs) yes. And now it's done. Now I did the violence in my mind and now I don't need to commit it and I got off on it and it's great. So basically that's what one would do is to sit with this disturbing thought, this violent shadowy desire and set a timer for 15 minutes so that it's contained and say to yourself for the next 15 minutes, I'm going to step out of my own way and I'm going to let myself just really enjoy what it would be like to punch that person in the nose. I'm just going to acknowledge that what I want right now is to just violently, violently express myself to this person and to just go into that. See what emotions arise in you, see what sensations arise in the body and to just ever more during that 15 minutes, be like, I am willing to acknowledge that I enjoy this very much. For the next 15 minutes, I'm willing to let this violent part of myself get what it wants. I'm willing to let love all of myself. I am willing to give approval to this violent urge. This violent urge is silly and this violent urge doesn't mean anything bad about me this violent urge has every right to exist within me it's allowed to want what it wants and as you do that as you do that and have those sensations like course through your body of both the like violent urge to just hit that sucker where it counts and at the same time Instead of the usual, like, oh, my God, I'm such a bad person. I can't believe I would think about doing that. Instead, being like, oh, yeah, it would feel good, would it not? Yes, we are allowed to think this. Yes, yes, yes. I love you, baby. You are okay. Like, that love and approval has is, like, the only substance on earth that has the power to dissolve the, like, violent rage.
0: Wow. That's it. That's so profound. It's like the opposite of everything that we're told. Kind of.
1: I know, Kyle, but like, look (laughs) at the world that we live in. Like, is this the ideal world? Maybe we should listen to Jesus when he said, repent, sinner. Repent means turn around, go the other way.
0: Wow. What about someone that has like really, really intense trauma? Like, maybe like childhood abuse? Can they like,
1: would it be dangerous
0: if they went into something like this? Um,
1: Right. So we are always, you know, never take yourself into a place that, you know, you can't manage on your own. So if you have really deep trauma that causes you a lot of shame and disturbance, you probably want to see a therapist. However, I have definitely, definitely talked to people um, who had things like massive childhood abuse happen In their lives. And, you know, they started slow with existential kink, like getting off on like, why does my partner ignore me when I send him memes? Like, why doesn't he respond? Like, like getting off on like, I think I secretly enjoy feeling rejected. Actually, maybe rejection and being ignored, like gives me like a big charge that I like love perseverating on and thinking about and getting obsessed with. And like, you know, that part of me is just part of me. And it can have what it wants. Oh, you're so rejected. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, <laughs> working on these small things first. And as you get a knack for like learning how to like link these shadowy things up with the feeling of like it's, it's all good. I, I like that. Actually. I'm, I'm willing to feel this. I'm willing to feel all of it. Actually. That's why I came. That's why I incarnated. That's why I'm here. Love it. Love it all. Um, as you develop skill in building that, then yes, like the, the things that remain are like our large childhood traumas. Don't start with your large childhood trauma. Like if there's something in your life that you're listening to me talk about, and you're like, F you, Layla. How dare you tell me that I wanted that and I like that? Don't go for that one. Don't go for that one now. That's too deep under piles of other judgments and things that you have on top of yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's where we all start. We all just have to start with like, we start EKing our like kind of trivial annoyances where we like where we can kind of already feel the humor and like maybe you already admit to your friends like i know he's kind of a jerk but like secretly i like i like that like that's the right place to start with ek and then to see how like oh really acknowledging that this is okay for me shifts what happens because i dissolve these beliefs with the power of my love But what I was saying before is that I definitely have known people like this is not a um, frivolous tool. This is a tool that I believe is like essential for anyone who wants to like, you know, polish the mirror of their consciousness. This is the Brillo pad that you have been waiting for. There is no stain or tarnish too large that like. You can't rub it away with this technique. So I have definitely, I mean, I have clients that I have worked with who have like gone undergone like profound shifts in their life by applying this existential kink stuff to really traumatic experiences. I mean, getting underneath those stories of who we think we are and into the greater truth of like the enormity and the capacity that we really have for love. That, that's, that's like, that's how we end suffering. That's how we, that's how we become fully human. That's how we do our work.
0: So it's, it's almost paradoxical because you're saying by like accepting it and shining a light on these dark parts of ourselves and learning to love it. Um, it almost transmutes it. It kind of like alchemizes it. And then we create something better. It's literally
1: alchemy. It's literally alchemy. I mean, you know, the, the alchemists of old were talking about turning lead into gold through a like reconciliation of opposites. And so like this work is really reconciling oppositional things in our psyche because most like the reason that we suffer and the reason that we have these like blocks and neuroses is because there's part of us that wants something sublime or deranged. It doesn't care. It's consciousness. It just wants experience. And then there are other parts of us that are like, no, that would be so messed up if we wanted that. That would be so awful. That is like, that's like dissociation from ourselves. That's creating an opposite. That's bifurcating ourselves. That's splitting ourselves apart. And the alchemy, the reconciliation of opposites is bringing the love and approval to ourselves. And that is what turns the lead of our like feelings of being bad and wrong and broken and full of shameful sin into the gold of like, I am simply a node in the grand consciousness that is here to watch this incredible story unfold. I literally can't take my eyes off of it. I love it. It's my favorite movie. I'll watch it again and again.
0: And so this process- yeah. I can't wait to
1: see what happens next.
0: Right, right. So this process, if I understand correctly, it unifies your conscious with your subconscious. Is that what is that what the holy Garden, guardian angel is? I'm trying to remember back, like a unified consciousness with your subconscious to be a better creator in this reality. So, we,
1: so the holy guardian angel thing, that's a concept from- um, you know, hermeticism uh, from hermeticism. And, um, the Holy guardian angel is basically conceived of as like, okay, so yes, the truth of the matter is that like, we are just one big consciousness dreaming itself into a zillion pieces and then playing with itself because that consciousness is very lonely out there being the only one so we're just out here having a great time pretending to be each other so we have something to do to spend eternity and that's the truth but i think of this um i think of this holy guardian angel as like the node of god that first perceived your incarnate fleshy beating heart and was like oh what are you little flutter in the darkness. I think you're amazing. I want to know everything about you. What are we going to do? And like that divine attention of the consciousness on the like fluttering, fleshy heart, that divine consciousness is our holy guardian angel, our higher self, the part of God that is uniquely obsessed with us as individuals right like it's the part of god that fell in love with my heart the part of god that fell in love with your heart the part of god that fell in love with each person's heart and is like i just want to know what it's like to be you to be this <laughs> ah to be this And we mostly don't identify with that part of ourselves. We mostly identify with the part of ourselves that is worried about like eating and like being accepted by others and not getting exiled from the social group and making enough money and like having the kind of sex that we want to have and like people thinking the right stories about us. Like that's mostly the part of ourselves that we're attached to. That's like our ego. That's like a survival mechanism that is also (coughs) obsessed with the heart but in like a different kind of way where it just wants to make sure that the heart keeps beating, right? Like it just wants to keep the heart going in a very practical animal sense. And this other holy guardian angel is like, what, what can we become? What can we do with this? anything we want let's go and that's the holy guardian angel and when you make contact with your holy guardian angel your holy guardian angel will take you where it wants to go
0: and you do that by doing ek or what
1: oh yeah you can do that by doing ek you can one of my favorite ways to invoke my holy guardian angel is to meditate on somebody like just my dream lover like just just imagining that like the most lovable, beautiful person that I could ever possibly imagine is utterly in love with me and wants only the best for me and thinks that I'm incredible. And then I think like, what would I make? What would I do? How would I be? How would I dress? How would I act if like, I was in a relationship with like the most amazing, inspiring, awesome, attractive person that I can imagine because that most amazing, inspiring, awesome, incredible person that I can imagine is me. It's in my imagination. It's my higher self. And so like, you can use this like vision of like this person or this like idea, this like best dream lover, like your best dream lover is secretly who you want to be. So tune into that. Like, tune into that.
0: Okay. We have three minutes left. Let's bring this okay. present time. A lot of craziness, coronavirus, a lot of fear everywhere. Um, so how can someone use EK to to make this time better? Um, are you saying that everybody is kind of collectively, this is their collective existential kink right now that they're getting off on?
1: <laughs> or or not getting off on.
0: Or not getting off on.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, here's the thing, Kyle. I mean... I don't want to promise, I don't want to promise the like shifting of physical events, although I know that it happens, but like the way, the way that I approach the coronavirus as a tantrica is I just look at all of the exciting emotions that everyone is getting out of this. Like, wow, people are getting so charged up on fear, on judgment, on like, thinking that everybody who doesn't do what they do is stupid. Like everyone is just high AF on a very heady cocktail of righteousness and fear and isolation. And like, we're all doing it. We are all doing it. We are all getting drunk and like tuning into the like party atmosphere is what I like to do to like have a great time while we're all at this bar. Like just tuning just into the fact that like we're all doing it and we're all here because we like we are here collectively because collectively we are wishing to make conscious all of this like collective fear of each other, judgment of each other, hatred of each other, mistrust of each other, isolation from each other. Like we're here right now to look at how much it's the case that like weirdly we are beautiful, beautiful beings who are choosing to like look at each other like freaks who don't know how to love each other and who don't know how to take care of each other and don't respect each other. And like, we're just here to look, like, look at that and be like, that's where we're at as a collective psyche. That's, that's our crisis. And if you'd like to get through it, You can just give approval to the fact that that's what's happening. So if somebody comes to you being like, Kyle, why aren't you wearing a mask? Like, don't you know, blah, 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 blah. Like you can be like, oh, here we are. Opportunity to receive some very juicy judgments. Hello, judgment. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Right. Welcome to my sphere. I am not afraid of you. Hello.
0: And now the ground is set for someone to like, fight for justice or something like that, where they wouldn't have that opportunity before. You
1: know, Precisely. I've heard so many people say to me that like coronavirus, you know, pandemic lockdowns are the reason that I got sober mm-hmm. because I realized that all I was doing was like going out and drinking with my friends. And then I was drinking alone. And then I realized I had a problem. So I stopped. And now I just spend a lot more time on my art and my you know creativity and the things that I love. And I really choose to spend time with the people that I really want to spend time with doing what I really want to be doing with them and like given that result like is the pandemic bad like are we in a crisis is this awful like is what's happening to us collectively something bad you know really this practice has the you know it's a it's a you know well we're out of time I'm sure I can ramble forever Kyle
0: yeah just Maybe you could just sum it up, take one more minute and kind of sum everything up.
1: This practice is like the kinky, dark, millennial, scorpionic version of (laughs) Byron Katie's Loving What Is. So it's like, you know, when Byron Katie asks you, like, is it true? Is it true? How do you know that's true? I feel like existential kinks, essential question is when we are like having experiences or thoughts and we're being like, I don't like this. I don't like this. The question that existential kink is asking you to ask yourself is like, is that true though? Like, is that really true? Like, because if you didn't like it, why would you be participating in it at all? Why would it be? If it, why would it be? Like, it must be liked by some part of God because God is omnipotent and God is all powerful and God makes to make what God wishes to make. So if there is horror, god wishes horror for some strange reason wow. i'm just gonna align myself with that
0: and learning to accept and experience it at all and love it all
1: and like truly powerful. isn't isn't the pain of others really an opportunity for us to love them how can we hate their pain it right on truly
0: it's how the love gets in right the crack is how the light gets in or whatever
1: precisely Leonard cohen precisely
0: Let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Thank you so much, Layla. That was amazing. That's just like a lot of power and intensity and I uh, love packed into that. So thank you so much for that.
1: Um, it's my pleasure to punch all of you in the face with my profound love.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, you guys, thank you for listening. This is the Conscious Bro Show. You're listening to 91.9 WDRT Radio Free Space Viroqua. And this is Conscious Bro out. Hold up, not so fast. If you want to learn more from Layla, make sure you check out their new awesome podcast. They've been getting a lot of raving reviews. A lot of people really dig it. It is Sleepover with Carolyn Elliott and Layla Bernard. You can find that anywhere where you can find podcasts like Spotify, Apple. Also, if you want to work directly with Layla, check out her Instagram. It's at Layla Lula. That's at L-A-I-L-A-L-U-L-A And also be sure to check out the book that we reference many times within the show. That's Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. That's how the light gets in. That's how the light gets in.